Hi, hello, hola, and hello. Welcome to My Kids Think I'm Cool, but podcast. A podcast about getting knocked up in a foreign country, families living abroad, and raising children in a different culture. All while trying to keep your cool and not lose your shit. I'm your host, Jackie. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to My Kids Think I'm Cool But podcast. This is actually my very first podcast that I'm not doing at the radio station. I wasn't able to do it in the radio station due to a storm. And also, I wanted to venture out of Denmark. I wanted to interview a lot of internationals that don't live in Denmark but are internationals in other countries. I find it very fascinating that so many expats, immigrants, foreigners live outside their home country and how it was like for them to move abroad, raise their kids, or before they even had kids, uh, how it was like, and then when they had kids, how that was like. So it, it is completely different from what I'm doing at the radio station. And today I will be actually interviewing someone I met on Facebook, and I thought it was really great that She's from the United States and she's moved abroad. Uh, her first country was actually Korea uh, to teach English. And she moved abroad because she wanted to see the world. And she was an English teacher in Korea. And from there, she took a path of the international life, even with her kids now. She has kids and her kids rarely ever visit the US and they're known as international. They only know international life. She's lived in countries like China, Thailand, many different countries, and now she's settled in France. And I want to introduce you to her. Her name is Michelle Hodge Anderson. She's from upstate New York and living the expat life, uh, settled in France now, and she has an online business um, away from her first um, her, her first job, which was being an English teacher and working in an international school atmosphere. And that's how actually how she traveled a lot was being able to travel for international schools. Um, let me get into the interview. Um, and now here's Michelle. Thank you so much for joining this call. Um, before we get into or call or also video, because we're going to have this on podcast and YouTube. So we have both social media yeah. that there is. Um, before we get into the conversation, I just wanted the audience to know a little bit about yourself and all the countries that you live in. Okay, well, my name is Michelle, but first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, and my name is Michelle Anderson. I'm originally from upstate New York. Um, I went overseas in 1995 for the first time, um, not really knowing it was going to be for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> I ended up going to Korea, and so I, I, the first country I went to was Korea, um, I was there for two and a half years. So yeah, I've since then I've lived in Russia, Mexico, then I was in Bahrain, and then Saudi Arabia. And I lived for seven years in Thailand. And then we lived nine years in China. And now we're here in France. <laughs> are you so planning to like settle down? Now this is France and we're going to settle 
now in France or well, that's my hope. That's my <laughs> hope. Um, we're having a little bit of a, a visa issue right now. So because of how we came in the country with the COVID, um, we had no idea, like any of us, we had no idea what was going to happen. So we didn't come in with the right visas. So um, yeah, so but hopefully because this is where we've owned our house, we bought it 17 years ago. And uh, so that's the idea, hopefully. So this is where you consider is your home, not the U.S., but France is is your home. Yeah, really, it is. Yeah. And even since we've I mean, we've had the house we bought our house when my son was just born. Mm -hmm. So this is where we've always come to during our summer holidays and things like that. So it is our home base. Yeah. And it's probably where your kids actually think is home is when you say, oh, we're going to go home. Yeah, home. I think so. Home is a, a very um, nuanced, uh, you know, complicated answer for them, I think. But I think that this is ultimately, yes, their home. And especially now, since we've been able to live here for about a year and my kids are in school here. And so I think that's helped a lot too. Yeah. Since you have uh, had your kids in uh, different parts of the world, can you just say how like the difference from where you had them in one country versus in another country. How did you feel comfortable? Did you feel taken care of? And what were the difference with those two countries? When you mean in terms of giving birth to them? Yeah, giving birth to them. Uh, my son was born in Saudi Arabia. And um, I think both of the experiences were really great. My daughter was born, born in Thailand. And they were different experiences, but still very, uh, very good experiences. I mean, in Saudi Arabia, my, my room was like a hotel room. It was huge and it was wonderful. And yeah. And in Thailand too, it was a really, they took care of my daughter very, very well. And so, yeah, I think the experience was really great in both places. Great. That's really good to hear. Cause um, I actually had a, a last guest uh, a couple months ago, and she had her her kids in Thailand, and she had amazing experience. But she said that it was so different uh, in in Thailand uh, when when you're giving birth, but they take care of you absolutely absolutely fine. And it was well, I don't know what it's like in the states, but my guess is that I got a lot more attention, or uh, they didn't kick me out of the hospital right away, or anything like that. I mean, I, I was. I, had a really good experience for both of them. Yeah. That's great to hear. Um, since you moved with your kids, uh, tell the audience about what it's like moving with kids and how did you prepare them when you were moving from uh, different countries? It seems like the last country you've been in is China uh, with right. them. How did you prepare them to move to um, other countries? Well, um, I think the, well, when we came here, there was no preparation because we had no idea. But, <laughs> but when I was in, we lived seven years in Thailand. So my son was um, about seven when we moved to China. So one of the things I did was, well, I had read some books about third culture kids. And there are some books out there I think are really helpful. And just preparing them would be like, you know, just talking uh getting them excited about where we're going next, you know, talking about it in a kind of an excited way. And also, um, but also kind of telling them that, yeah, we're going to feel sad leaving here. 
um, too. So I guess that's kind of what I did to try and help prepare. We looked at things when we were going to go to China. We looked at, you know, all the things that are what's China like and stuff like that. So how did your kids um, integrate uh, and get used to living from Thailand to China? How did they get used to it or integrate to the culture? Um, you know, the thing is that as expats, you're always going to find other expats. And for us, we were actually teachers in international schools and there are international schools all over the world. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a really great way because it's not, um, it's not a shock of putting them into like a local school. I think that would have been a huge shock. Um, but going to an interna international school, that's all they've known really actually is going to international schools. And I think it helped that we were teachers, they had mom and dad not too far away. Um, so I think, you know, it's kids are really resilient. And so, yes, the culture is very different, but in some ways that's all they know. I mean, I tell, always tell people the story and it embarrasses my son, but I think when we were on the plane to China, um, for the first time and my son who'd only knew Thailand up to this point, he said something along the lines in our conversations, you know, we're Asian, right, mom. And so <laughs> this is all they knew. So for them, you know, it's, it hasn't been too difficult. And I think that's, you know, it's been really good. Yeah. That's really good to hear. Cause sometimes some kids take it harder than others, but since Thailand and China is not so far apart um, right. culturally, yes, but just it's yes. it's not like France and then China. Right. <laughs> All of a sudden, like throwing them into a Western culture when they're coming from the East. So I think that's like been slowly a big, bigger changed. adjustment for them, yes, is coming here because, well, first of all, we didn't have that transition period. We didn't know that we were coming here um, to live for a year. We've been here. And so, uh, and we, they were going to the international schools in China, but here they're going to the public schools and they didn't speak French. They, they're working on it. Um, but it has been, there's been some challenges, but they have done so much better. I was so much more worried about them than they have ended up being. It's been, you know, a really great experience, I think. And they're still working on learning their language. You know, it's, they've just started. My son took some French in high school back in China, so that helped him a bit, but um you know, after being in quarantine for so long and not being around other kids, it was so great for them to go to school and be able to socialize and be around other kids their age, other than just being stuck home with mom and dad. So I think that also helped them be more excited about going to school. So, but they've done really, really well. As also meeting new friends and since it's uh, COVID times also, just getting out of the computer, I, I realized a lot of my friends and family here in Denmark, also in the US, that everything is e-learning right now. Unless you're a certain age and lower, you can go to school. But anyone older than, uh, I think, older than fourth grade have to stay home and e-learn. And it's, it's kind of a di difficult for the parents. And well, also we're right now, we're yeah, my kids are going to school. They have school open. It's like adjusted. So I think 
they've given my son special uh, permission to go every week, but the high school kids are on one week, off one week on, and uh, my daughter is only going to her French language classes in the school. The school has a program for um, people, kids who don't speak French. And she used to have some of her class that, and then she'd go to her other classes, but now she's just, so they're trying to minimize, but at least they still can go to school because yeah, when we first came here, they were continuing on their school online and it was, it was not good. Yeah. It's not the same. It's no. And, and it depends, I think on the kid, because even I was teaching and it's like, there are those kids who do thrive in that environment, but I think more, kids need that my son is very social and even his teachers he needs to like see their faces and see his friends and so yeah have I that never, connection i'm sorry what have the connection that you don't get through yeah. the computer yes yes um how do you balance the culture with with your kids with being american and then living in different uh countries thailand china now france and then all the other countries in between <laughs> well i mean i think one way is uh you know we always practice like those american traditions we have thanksgiving even though like wherever we're working we don't have nobody has the day off right but we'll still celebrate it maybe on the Saturday. Um, and, you know, we still do Christmas and do those kinds of traditions. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I can't take out who I am at my base of how I was raised so that they learn that from me. But I think um, also, you know, obviously being in the international schools, they learn about the local culture and we do also practice those things i mean when we were in thailand it was loy kratong and it was we did the the um you know they have the big water festival where you're throwing water with at everybody and so you you get into those as well mm -hmm. so chinese new year all of that kind of stuff we learn about those and celebrate maybe not to the same extent but at least experience some of that so I think it's made my kids be a lot more open to everybody's differences that's for sure yeah and open to tr different traditions not yeah. just the American tradition but right. the way it is in Thailand or in uh, China because they do celebrate tradition in a, a deeper way and yeah. bigger way also I think in the U.S. it's like we do Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, and Christmas big. Mm -hmm. But in China or in Thailand, they do almost the same holidays, but then other ones they are just like even bigger. Like yeah, I mean Christmas New Year. Yeah. I couldn't believe it's like celebrated like the whole month of January almost. Oh, Chinese New Year! The whole in China is the most extreme. They cut. They like shut down the whole country for like a month. <laughs> no one's working. <laughs> no, everything's shut down. You can't go shopping. And, you know, there was a first year we were like there. We didn't go anywhere during the Chinese New Year because you don't want to travel in China during Chinese New Year either. And, and uh, oh, good. I'll finally get time to go do see those things. Nope, everything shut. <laughs> yeah. What was the hardest thing um, for you or your kids to adapt to when? when you move to, for example, China or 
anywhere in the Middle East or back in France? Um, I think for me, I mean, I've lived overseas for so long now that, you know, it takes a little time to get used to the country and how to do those basic things, but you know that. Um, for me, the hardest country was China um, because I think other countries, they're smaller. You still could have like language is the huge thing because I mean, imagine going in the middle of the States, you're not going to probably find somebody who speaks Chinese. It's the same in China. You're not going to find people um, in the middle of a lot of places that speak English. Yeah. And because the language is so different, um, it's very, very, the most challenging thing, I think. Um, so thank God for iPhones. That, once I got one of those that helped a lot. Um, and then yes, culturally, it's extremely different. So for me, that was my biggest adjustment. I think for my kids moving here has been the biggest adjustment because they, up until here, we've always lived in cities. Ah, uh, Okay. And now we're in a small little village. So that's a, a very big difference for them. It's like hustle and bustle of a big city in China. And it's very, very busy in China or in Thailand. And now quiet France in the countryside. Yes. They Denmark's did. almost the same. If you're in the countryside, it's very, very maybe like 10 cars come by. <laughs> yeah, and it's boring and there's nothing to do. I mean, in China, you can... They have all sorts of things like Meituan. You can just get your food delivered to your door, all sorts of things. And yeah, so they're, they've missed that. <laughs> I don't know if, it, if France is the same, but in Denmark, the eating out culture is definitely not as big as it is in the U.S. or even in Southeast Asia. Eating out is just like the thing to do. When I moved to Denmark, it was like, oh, is it your birthday? Is that why you're eating out? Uh, no, I just like eating out. <laughs> yeah. No one eats out in in China. We would eat out all the time. I mean, where we lived, we had, I mean, we sort of lived in a more of an expat area, but there was the once a week at the Korean restaurant for sure. And then there was sushi and you go to the Western restaurants, you know, there was everything there. You could have it delivered to your door. And then yes, here, there's not really many places to go and you just, people just don't, it seems. Yeah, it's not culturally something they do to go out. Yeah, definitely. And I was like, and they also, I think with, I don't know if uh, the same in France, but in uh, Denmark, they don't have the same variety. It's like pizza and kebab and then maybe yes. a house. And then a, a, a random Asian uh, restaurant and that's about it. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Well, and I, I kind of think back to like, oh, in, in the U.S., if I were to go back because I grew up in a small town, you wouldn't find variety there either in my hometown. So I kind of think of it like that. But you're you're right. It's like kebabs. OK. And and so my kids really miss sushi. They love sushi. And so uh, there is one place about a half hour, but it's expensive, too, compared to like, you know, where we were in China. So. And I miss Korean food. I love Korean food. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> they don't have any of the Korean food around. Yeah. Here. So Korean food is like one of my favorite food. And when I go to, I'm from Los Angeles, go to Los Angeles, it's like Korean barbecue straight there. I'm like yeah. airport Korean barbecue. Oh, yeah. drop off kids and then Korean barbecue. 
Well, I was missing it so much. I found an Asian market online in France and I ordered some like gochujang and stuff that's ingredients. And so I've made a few things. It's not the same, but at least gives me a little bit of a a taste. Yeah. It can always go back. When the world goes normal, you can always go back (laughs) and visit and have, you know, the taste and the food and then come back home. I always look at it that way. It's like a treat to go have Korean barbecue or good sushi or good Mexican food. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. In which country uh, you've lived in? uh, Whoops, I already asked that question. (laughs) What um, What are like the biggest culture shock? We don't have to go into it too much, but like what is the biggest culture shock that you've ever had when you've moved abroad that really... It was just like, wow, I, I don't live in the States or wow, I don't live in this country anymore. And it was just like, <laughs> well, I mean, obviously when I first, first went to Korea, that was, I had never left the U S ever. And, but I had always grown up being curious about other, how other people lived in other countries. I wanted to see it. So I knew before I got settled in some job, I wanted to go and, and try it out. So I was trying to figure out how can I do this? How can I do this? I went down to Florida. I was going to like get, try and get a job on a cruise ship or something. And then I talked to, I had a roommate who was born in Korea, adopted in the States. And I was talking to her and she was talking about going there and teaching English. And literally from talking to her two weeks later, I'm on a plane, not even really knowing where I was going. Actually, I'm like, I knew it's Korea, but where, where's this, you know, somewhere in Asia. So, um, and I remember arriving there and we're stopping at a red rest diet, rest stop bathroom. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what have I done? Because <laughs> the, the toilets are very different. They're, you know, the yeah. sort of the a trench almost. Yeah. So, so I just remember that being like a huge shock. Um, but never once did I think about, oh, I should go back to the States though, which I sometimes think about as interesting. And then of course, China was really difficult for me to adjust to. There's just some things about the culture that are just very different and that's how they are. And, you know, you just, there's really great things too, but those, some of those, the things that they, the you know, the spitting, yeah, um, that kind of stuff was just hard for me to get used to. Um, I, I, cause I've, I've, I've been to China, uh, Shanghai, um, but also Taiwan. But what shocked me when I went there was that um, that red stuff they chew on. Um, it's like they, it dyes their teeth red. Okay, I kind of know what you're talking it's about. Like beetle, yeah. like beetle, beetle something. Okay, yeah, like beetle nut. Yeah, beetle nut. Yeah, that's what it is. And all the men would chew it or even the women would chew it on the street and just spit everywhere. And I'm just like, yes. Oh, but why is their teeth all like red? And then they're just spitting in like a bowl. I'm just like, well, yeah. see, China, they, I don't want to be too negative about it, but they just spit everywhere. Oh, yeah. Not with the beat, just the beat. They just hawk it up and spit everywhere. And it just grosses me out so much. And so that was the thing that I just never, never could get used to. Yeah. Um, and of course, the language is difficult. I've been to Taiwan. A, couple times so it's very different there it's kind of like we lived actually near um hong kong i always okay. like going to hong kong because you know but china's 
I feel like China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, they're all so different. It is. And you don't realize it until you get there and how different they are, like culturally. Yes. Some I mean, I think in the States, people, if they've never traveled, they don't know there's a big difference between Japan, Korea, China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, all these places are very different. Yeah, especially even within China, North, East, South, every, every, uh, the people are different, they talk different, uh, their culture is different. So it's, it's like a a big shocker within the country. (laughs) Yeah. Um, While you were you already mentioned that you taught English. Did you t- teach English throughout the all, all the countries you lived in or were you doing other business? No, I mean, I went to university to be an art teacher, actually. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know about international schools. So that's why I ended up going to Korea to teach English because that's what my friend told me about. But while I was in Korea, I found out, oh, there's these international schools all over the world. Mm-hmm. And so there's agencies that you go through. And so... Um, it's become more competitive since when I first started, but it is, you you know, you go to a job fair, they have them, there's like a period that they have them in. And uh, that's how, you know, I taught art. I've been teaching art for okay. international schools, yeah. So that's how you found work because I know maybe if it's a accompanying spouse, uh they move abroad and they don't know what to do they left like a good job to live in this strange new country not strange but new country and they either have to completely change what they're doing or be a stay-at-home mom right so there are are a lot of like you know because obviously being an international teacher a lot of the students that we're serving are other expats who are working there And then, yes, so I've met a lot of moms, it's usually moms, not always, but usually a lot of moms who are um, there because their husband is there. And so sometimes they find things, you know, they'll do like, there was a lady who was like, did the painting. Um, She did these painting classes and things like that, like to teach other people. Um, But we've also had some teachers come to our schools because their spouse was there and so they found a job at the school so there's lots of possibilities though what would be your tip if if there's a um, an international either thinking of um moving abroad or moving because their spouse found a job and they want well, to a job mostly i can speak to the obviously teaching in international schools and i know there's people who think teaching english but there's like they're two completely different worlds there's the teaching english world and then there's the international school world in teaching english you can always do that anywhere you i mean the whole world english is like the language to learn so whether you're setting up your own private classes or whatever you can do that and I mean, in Saudi Arabia, I taught violin actually even. So, um, but you can do private classes or you could come part of an institute. Those don't usually pay very well though, if you're gonna do that, that whole English teaching in an international school is just like teaching in the States really. And so, um, you know, that's a possibility if you're a teacher. Uh, I would say for me right now, I'm just working on trying to build a business online. So it doesn't matter where I live. Can you uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, that business that you're working on? And did teaching 
what you're doing in the past teaching, did it lead to this business that uh, you're doing online? Um, yes and no. I mean, I, <laughs> I have wanted, we've owned this house for so long and I wanted to come and live here, but again, I needed to find a way to generate an income because here in Western Europe, it's hard. Those international school jobs are very, very hard to get. Um, and there's a lot more like, it's just in, in Western Europe, really. Um, it's like this. And so, uh, I just wanted to try and figure out. So I have been for a few years thinking, looking, researching, trying to figure out what could I do. And my design background, teaching art and design in high school for so many years, has just sort of one thing led to another that I was like, well, okay, um, I want to start trying to build a web design agency. But I guess because I've been a teacher for so long, the teacher in me also says, I want to teach others. I know there are people out there who don't, who can't afford to buy or to hire a web designer themselves. So they go and try and do it themselves. And so that's why I've been right, right now building a program to teach um, others how to learn how to build their own websites for their businesses. So yeah, that's, it's sort of one, it's always a journey, right? One thing leads to the next. So, yeah. You yeah. always grow what you have currently doing and you, you do to do something else but that the past experience have right have a lot to do with what you're doing at that point yeah yeah for um, me. so for the for the web design is uh can you touch a little bit on uh, the classes or what what you're doing within your business so I have a Facebook group that I've been like just kind of teaching free content in. And then so now I am working on building what well, I have built. It's just starting, though, um, a program where people can come in and it's a side by side program. So I do Zoom classes so that if you have a question, you can ask or if you need to share your screen because it's all, you know, building stuff on computers so that I can help people sort of side by side, step by step, and just um, help people build that confidence and learn what to do. Because the platform I use, I use a particular platform that I really feel is just so much better, especially if you're a beginner, but it also has all the robust things that you need so that you can um, just stay on that one platform, get everything you need, and pay one fee and things are integrated, can be integrated. So that's what I use to teach people how to build their own websites. That's so great because a lot of people either think it's just too complicated to build a website or hire someone and then it just goes all wrong because it's not what they wanted. And well, what they envisioned in their head is not what the developer made. <laughs> that's what led me to that because like my original experience a few years ago, even though I have done some web design before, um, back in the like Dreamweaver days, <laughs> um, I hired somebody because I wanted this website built really quickly. And then I just, it was a nightmare. I ended up spending money on something that I couldn't even use. And so um, I just thought there's got to be other people who want to learn how to do them, them themselves. And once you learn, you just have like all that control. You can go in and change anything you want at any time. And someday, maybe when your business grows bigger, maybe you'll hand it off to somebody, but you still have that knowledge of knowing, you know, how it all works. So 
yeah, I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really, really great. I'm if I redo my website, I'll definitely get in contact with you. <laughs> because I have this web, my podcast website, and then I also have my other website, which is for uh, families living abroad. <laughs> so definitely, right. well, you know, people, you know, if you're starting a business, everybody needs a website. So it's, you know, it's like the new business card. It's like right. a website, you know, no one else can contact you or see what your work is. It's like the well, new I always website. say it's a digital, it's the digital storefront for your business. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's really important to, for people to find you through Google or wherever. Right. Um, just, you can do to optimize, you know, so that's the thing too, that I include part of the program, not just, okay, you, you know, put an image here, but what's the best way to do it? What should you have on it? And all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And also for people to find you because you can right. put the website out there, but it could be crickets for a long time. <laughs> so marketing and optimizing and SEO and all that uh, good stuff that you probably help a lot of people, uh, you know, either living abroad. Is it digital? So is it people from all over the world or is it? Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, if there's someone out there, a listener or someone watching this from YouTube, uh, I'll have this your contact on my page and on the YouTube. But if you want to say it, if anyone's listening on a podcast, how they can find you, how they can connect with you, if you have your Facebook page or your Facebook, how can uh, someone connect with you? Um, well, I have my website is Meraki Media Services, all one word, dot com. And I have a Facebook uh, group called, see if I can get this exactly correct, women starting out their, oh, no, I'm not going to get exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have uh, it written down. <laughs> and I actually have like, I have a, a sort of a digital business card, which has all my links on it. It's just my name, michellerranderson.com. Okay, then I'll have that connection. And then that should have all from your groups to your webpage to Instagram, uh, all your social media pages. I don't know if you have Instagram, but that will have everything connected on there. <laughs> I haven't really used Instagram because I've been mostly focused on Facebook, but I don't know if you've heard of Clubhouse. Oh yeah, Clubhouse. That's like the new thing. <laughs> so um, I'm like, okay, so it's all you can connect to your Instagram. Well, that's how people get in, can get in touch with you through from Clubhouse. So I didn't have anything on my Instagram. I had set it up before. So I'm like, oh no, now I've got to do Instagram. You're like another one on the plate <laughs> out of all the other social media outlet. That's how I feel. It's like, what? Pinterest? Pinterest drive traffic? It's like, I was doing Pinterest when I was like cooking. Like, yeah, right. How yeah. everything connects together. And it's, I feel like every day is a learning because you just learn something about a different social media network or how one can be better than the other one. So, well, now it's TikTok and Clubhouse, I guess, but still, in, it, you know, Instagram needs to be connected to your. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> um, is there, uh, is there anything else you want to add to this interview before we, we sign off? Um, you know, any advice for any uh, parents or international that want to leave their home country to move abroad and explore what the world has to offer? Um, I guess other than the fact I have talked to people who have said, oh, I've always wanted to do that, um, but they see it as such an impossible thing 
And it's not, and I think it's one of the best things you can do for your kids because they're just, their world opens up so much and they just have a, you know, a different perspective, I think, than if they had grown up in the state. So I really believe that everybody should travel just to, you know, not be one of those people like who thinks that my way is the only way, oh, there's lots of different ways to do things and they can equally work as well, you know, so I definitely recommend people to just jump and do it if you think that it's something that would be interesting. And it, and it may seem scary, but it won't be once you actually do it. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. It's so scary in the beginning to, you know, book it and actually plan for it. It's scary. But once you're living in it, it's like, why was I even scared? Like, right. yes. you don't regret like any, anything. You don't regret anything from that point on. It's just that feeling of getting to the airport and then flying to your destination or wherever it is. And then when you get there, you're like, this is the best thing ever. It's like your eyes just open up. Yeah. You're yeah. Like, why did I even, why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always going to be an adjustment period, but you know, as long as you are willing to stick it out and try it, it there's so many rewards, I think. Yeah. yeah. I also, I, I completely agree with, with that. Um, yeah. There it's a roller coaster. There's moments where you're like, I just want to go home. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Who, who made me do this? And then other times it's like, yeah, well, this, yeah there, there's times because we've chosen this life overseas that we miss out on things because we're so far away. And those, you know, that is sad. And, um, you know, I don't, I'm not in my family's life all the time. And that's the hardest part. And my kids don't have that close you know, with their cousins or that kind of thing. But I don't know. I just think that the benefits that they'll gain from having lived a life overseas, and it doesn't have to be their entire lives. If somebody wants to just go over for, uh, you know, a certain period of time, I would still say do it because it'll, it'll definitely be a beneficial thing. Yeah. With multiple culture, multiple languages, um, it's learning outside the textbook. And I think that's what's needed. Learn about the world, you know, yeah. you know, geography. And I even feel like I learned more about my own country living out of it yeah. than when I was in it. And you just get that different perspective and you could see like, oh yeah, well, that's not, that, that really doesn't work. That's not a good way, but that was a real, that's a really good way to do things. And, you know, you sort of pick what's the best of every place you've lived. Yep. And then you also take that back with you, whatever you learn, it's like, oh, I'm keeping this and raising, like, for example, you like the, the tradition of in China, how they raise their kids a certain way. It's like, I'm, I want to keep that as, you know, the way we're raising our kids. It's like you keep certain things and then you take out a few things that you don't like. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. start collecting a little bit of what works for you and your family. Yeah. So thank you for that. And thank you for sharing about, you know, your experience with you and your family living abroad in so many different countries. And, you know, if any parents out there encouraging them to just go out their comfort zone and live abroad, because it is one of the best and rewarding feeling out uh, to have um, move away from home. So yeah. thank you for that. And then you can, uh, everyone can connect with you. Um, I'll have your information on my website and also on this YouTube interview uh, if anyone wants to talk about you know, web design or anything like that. 
Okay, sounds awesome, really. Thank yeah. you so much.